Hello, this is Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm very happy that you joined us for our episode today. It's in a series that we started recently called Matthew's Messiah. So you've joined us for the episode for Sunday, July, what is today? July 11th, 2021. And the title of our episode today in Matthew's Messiah is, Here's Your Sign. I saw a sign at an auto mechanic shop a few years ago, and it said, No, we are not on Facebook. (laughs) I love that. These guys were too busy being successful mechanics to mess around with Facebook. We're going to talk today about John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer. And he was not about Facebook at all. (laughs) He was just about the book, the Bible, the Word of God. He was about God's will. And seeker-sensitive? Forget about it. John the Baptist wasn't the least bit interested in being seeker-sensitive. And you'll see that here today in Matthew chapter 3. Now, John the Baptist is a fascinating character in the Bible, because he he really is kind of between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Traditionally, historically, when Bibles were published, it was very common for publishers to leave a blank page between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. That was very common. I had Bibles printed exactly that way. Now, that may not always still be done today, but it, that's why it was done years ago, and probably it is still done today by many Bible publishers. But John the Baptist was basically the last Old Testament prophet, and he bridges the gap and breaks 400 years of silence since God last spoke to the Jewish people in Malachi and the the 400 years of silence where there was no prophet, God did not speak to his people, Israel, during those 400 years. And that's what that blank page between the Old and the New Testament signifies. Well, John comes and he breaks the silence as God speaks through him. And basically, John's attitude about life was that he was here to flame out for God, not rust out with the crowd. And you know, right now, you're doing one or the other. You are either living your life for God, like John the Baptist did, or you're you're just gonna rust out. You know, you're not gonna flame out, you're just gonna rust out like an old junk car if you go along with the crowd. Don't be like that, be more like John the Baptist. Now, before we even go to Matthew chapter 3, I want to introduce you to John the Baptist from the Gospel of John. Now, that's not that John the Baptist wrote that. That's John the Apostle, the disciple that wrote the Gospel of John. But this is what he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to say about John the Baptist. So we read, I'm going to read this to you, in John 1, verses 15 to 36. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, 
This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. This is John the Baptist explaining that Jesus Christ is God. Now, the interesting part about this, if you know from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1, we know that John the Baptist was born before the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I may be wrong on this, but it's about, I think it's about six months before. But several months before the Lord Jesus was born to Mary, John had been born to uh, his mother and father. And you can read all about that in Luke chapter 1. But here it says, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, talking about Jesus, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. That's because Jesus is eternal God. Do you see that? All right, verse 16. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. So we'll see this here shortly in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, but they thought he might be Elijah. And he said, I'm not. And Jesus is going to explain that, that John the Baptist was not literally the prophet Elijah, but he came in the spirit of Elijah and this had been fulfilled. But, he, but he was, they were asking, was he Elijah who had been raptured? You need to know a lot of your Bible to hang with me on some of this. All right, you may not, that's okay. Verse 22, then said they unto him, who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah, or we would say Isaiah, Isaiah rather, I'm sorry. Verse 24, and they which were sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. So John was saying, he wasn't even worried to, uh, worthy to carry the sandals of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 28. These things were done in Beth Abara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, 
which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit, now this is the Holy Spirit, this is God. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. So we see that John was clearly identifying the Lord Jesus Christ as being the promised Messiah. Do you see that? Now, I just wanted to make that very clear to you as we begin to go here in a few moments into Matthew chapter 3. Now, I want you to know a little bit more about this John the Baptist that we are about to see. And this is what I want you to know of several things. John the Baptist had a miraculous birth, and you can read all about that in Luke chapter 1. He, now, he was born of a human mother and human father. That was true, but they were very old. And everything, in fact, his birth was announced by an angel to his father. So read all about that in Luke chapter 1. And everything that was said came true. John the Baptist had a separated life. That means he lived a holy life to God. You know, today, if you want to be used by God, you must be available to God, which means that essentially, in many ways, you turn your back on this present world system. I don't mean that you don't love your family or share Christ with people, but I mean, as far as the lure of this world system, it begins to mean nothing to you. John the Baptist had an austere life. That means a very severe life. Now, he lived, as we'll see, out in the, the rural areas of Israel. And I want to direct your attention to a famous painting. And I, I'm going to do this for a reason. Write this down. You can search for this online. It'll be easy to find. Search for the painting called the baptism of Christ. And it was painted by someone you may have heard of, Leonardo da Vinci. Look that up and you'll see that da Vinci understood what I just said and what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 3 because he painted John the Baptist as being not, not literally skeletal, but very, very thin. Look at his hands and look at his uh, uh, he just didn't have a lot of fat on him. Let's put it that way. 
And you'll see that Leonardo da Vinci must have clearly understood the austerity by which John the Baptist lived. Now, John the Baptist, here's a surprise to many of you, was a cousin of the Lord Jesus Christ through, through Mary's uh, line, his mother's line. So she was, um, I can't get into all this who's related to whose stuff, and I get mixed up. I was going to leave it alone. <laughs> but John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. So no doubt he knew of him, but he did not know he was the Messiah until God revealed that to him, and we'll, we'll study that today. Today, while I was on Facebook, I saw a photograph from a ministry, and it had a, a photograph of an evangelist holding a Bible. And this evangelist had maybe shorts on, a straw hat, and he had sunglasses. That was interesting. And no shoes, I don't think, or at least I couldn't see any. And he had a well-worn Bible, but he's an evangelist. I'm going to read to you what was written above that because this man reminds me of John the Baptist. So when you think, oh, what we're about to read, you know, about John the Baptist, that couldn't possibly be true. This is somebody who's doing almost this same thing right now. Let me just read what was written above the photograph. He is the 95-year-old Okini evangelist and this is written by someone uh, from the continent of Africa, so it's not, it's broken English, but I'm just going to read it as it's written. I'm sure in this writer's language it flows perfectly, but in English uh, it's, it's a little choppy. He is the 95-year-old Akini evangelist, still preaches the gospel in the Amuro district region of Adiak, northern Uganda, without any good branded suit or tie, clothing, and belt. And, and you can see that looking at the picture. Perhaps without any PhD to debate who are more than others, with an empty stomach, no footwear, little resources, or maybe nothing, but full of passion to see a generation passionate about God. And you know, I typed in the comments that this person, this evangelist, reminds me of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, seven-word life motto. I'm about to give it to you in English, but in Greek, it's actually only six words. But in English, from John chapter 3, verse 30, this is the life motto, I would say, of John the Baptist. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. And I think that describes John's view of life perfectly from John 3, verse 30. Now, I want you to know, again, we're still going to read Matthew 3, so stay with me. By the time we get to Matthew 4, John the Baptist has already been imprisoned by Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, who tried to kill Jesus after he was born. We looked at that, uh, I believe, last week. By the time we get to Matthew 11, 
John the Baptist has his faith begin to falter, possibly a little bit. I, I don't. We don't really know, but but he wanted to be sure. Let's say that John the Baptist has his faith in Christ confirmed by Christ and his ministry endorsed by Christ. And John is in prison when this is done. By Matthew 14, John the Baptist has been beheaded for his witness and his preaching. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, John the Baptist's life purpose is fulfilled right here in Matthew 3. He was like a shooting star that blazed a shining path across the world's darkness. Reaching his zenith, he burns out for God. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, the prophet Isaiah, about 700 years before John the Baptist was born, wrote this about John the Baptist. Isaiah 40, verse 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament in the Bible, in Malachi 4, verses 5 through 6, we read this. God says through Elijah, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. In Matthew eleven eleven, we read this, Verily I say unto you, now this is Christ speaking, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus is saying here that among the prophets that God had called, there was not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Wow. Matthew 17, verse 12, Jesus says this, But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. So Jesus not only here predicts his martyrdom, his sacrificial death for us. I shouldn't probably say the word martyrdom because I think that the actual thing is he chose to take our place and pay for our sin through his death. And we are forgiven and cleansed because he is resurrected from the dead. Amen? And his price was accepted in full to pay for our sin. Amen? But notice here in the first part of John seventeen twelve, he says, But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. He's talking about John the Baptist. 
All right, so let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Now let's just stop right there. We see that John was not your average individual. He lived out in basically the country, in desert-like areas, and he ate what God provided for him there, and he wore what God provided for him there. Even today, I looked this up, and you'll find it fascinating if you do a little research as well. Camel's hair is a highly prized clothing or apparel. But notice that he's not dressed at all like the priests, the chief priests, the high priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Levites, the scribes, and on and on and on that are up at the religious headquarters in Jerusalem. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair, and that's often, by the way, what prophets wore, and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. Now, even today, locusts are highly sought after as a, uh, a tasty treat around the world, but especially in the Middle East. And it's a neat thing that with all the locust plagues that are happening now, the supply of locusts that are fried and coated with honey or spices is at an all-time high. <laughs> well, John ate locust and wild honey. Listen, friends, this man had a, an immense amount of energy to serve God because that is a high-protein, high-nutrition diet with, uh, I would say, zero fat in it. And John not only led an austere life, it was a life completely fitted to be his best to identify the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, a lot of people make fun of him, and I think people who do that should be ashamed. John paid whatever price he had to pay to fulfill his life purpose that we're going to read right here. I believe he believed that he could not properly identify Christ unless he was in the wilderness and he wanted to be ready. But also imagine the ability to concentrate on the Lord and his word away from all the distractions of normal secular life, even around religious people. And there were plenty of those in Israel and in Jerusalem. So we, we see how he was attired. We see what he ate. And again, he must have had a great reservoir of energy to serve the Lord. Verse five. Now, you know, by the way, you would think that if somebody was going to identify Christ, they would hang out around the temple, right? So they could point out Jesus to the religious leaders 
and the Jewish people. John made them come to him. Verse 5, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan. It was sort of like, have you heard this John guy yet? You know, you need to go hear him. What a preacher. He's not afraid of anybody. And he calls it just like it is. I can just imagine the buzz about John the Baptist. But notice something here in verse 6. These people that were coming, verse 6, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now this is amazing. And I'll tell you why it's amazing. I learned in my research that I did all on my own for this, by the way. I learned in researching this that the Jewish people at this point in time did not believe they needed to repent of anything, basically, that they belonged to to the Jews. They were children of Abraham, and that was that. And the only people in trouble were non-Jews, the Gentiles. And the people, the only people who needed to be baptized were those dirty non-Jews, the Gentiles. You know, people like me. I'm not Jewish. I'm a non-Jew. Well, I'm the one who needs to repent, confess my sins, and be baptized. Certainly not a Jewish person in good standing in Israel at this time. And let me tell you, that attitude was, was definitely among the religious leaders and the elites in Jerusalem at the temple. So read it again, verse 5 in Matthew 3. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Wow. Now, let me tell you something about religious leaders. When they hear somebody else, it looks like they're being blessed to God, they either get with it or get jealous. So uh, so the ministry of John the Baptist, I mean, people are, are not going to Jerusalem. They're going out to the wilderness to hear John. They're coming from everywhere to hear John. So finally... Guess who shows up? The Pharisees and Sadducees, all the religious people. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers! <laughs> it's like a bunch of poisonous snakes. O generation of vipers! Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat, for repentance. In other words, you need to repent. You need to get your lives right. That's what you need to do, even as the religious elites, the religious leaders of the Jewish people. It's not just Gentiles who need to be saved. It's Jews who need to be saved. Jews for Jesus. Amen. And John calls them out. Hey, don't come down here hanging around this like you're all for me when you're really against me. Don't come down here and and maybe even go through the form of the baptism. Don't do that and not have your life guided by God and changed by God. Amen. And if you think, listening to this, that you can trot down to a church, get dunked in a baptistry, and that takes care of everything, oh, you are oh so wrong. You need to be born again, and then you can go through water baptism. Amen? That's what John's talking about. Doing this the right way. Verse 9, he's not done with them yet. They want him to, to let them go, but he ain't finished. 
And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Indeed, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire." This John was, was a hellfire and brimstone preacher for sure. And this shook some folks up. And you know, the ones that, that really were sincere, they came to God. The rest figured out a way to get rid of John the Baptist and they would do the same thing to the Lord Jesus Christ, they thought. All right, so this is what people could expect if they went out to hear John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness and, uh, and his baptizing in the river Jordan, those that were truly repenting. And anybody who tried to weasel in just to be part of it, but they weren't the real deal, John would call them out. Amen. Verse 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. What? This was for people who were repenting from sin. And we read here, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And this is how it struck John too. Look at verse 14. But John forbade him. And the idea here is John was just saying, hey, this is backwards. I can't baptize you. You have no sin, but John forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it, and that means like to allow, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. What Jesus is saying here is it is true that he was sinless. He had no sin to repent of, no need to repent. And that was true. But he, he was identifying himself with all the sinners of the world. And I'm so glad because I'm one and you're one too. All of us are. And this was his way of declaring who he is. Verse 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized, and by the way, I don't want to get into a big doctrinal argument here, but this word baptized, baptizo in Greek, it's a form of this word. It means to be put under water, to be immersed. And why else would John the Baptist be baptizing at a river? And why did 
did uh, people go there so they could baptize them in the river. So the idea of sprinkling, I don't know where that got started, but the Lord Jesus Christ was immersed and John the baptizer immersed everybody who came to him. They were not sprinkled. Now, you'll notice in that portrait painted by Leonardo da Vinci, I'm sure influenced by the Catholic Church, Jesus is being sprinkled, but I'm confident without any doubt that John the Baptist immersed the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. <laughs> so how could you, how could you be, uh, the only way to come out of the water is you've been in it, right? You see what I'm saying? He went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And we know that John saw this too because this was the sign. It gets even better. Verse 17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That was the voice of God the Father. So you'll notice here, although that's not what this is about today, not my main aim, you notice the Trinity right here. Now you don't see the Word, but you see Jesus, the Son of God. You see the this dove, this like a dove descending, the Holy Spirit of God, and you see God the Father, three in one. There it is, right there. It's obvious. But I do want you to notice the main point of this here at the end is that John has already been told, whoever you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, that's the Messiah. Well, John sees this. Jesus sees it too. And to even reinforce that, I believe John the Baptist heard, and of course the Lord Jesus himself heard, and I don't know, maybe even the whole crowd heard this. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we're gonna stop right there with reading in Matthew. Here's your sign. John the Baptist recognizes through the testimony of God the Father, God the Spirit, that God the Son, Jesus Christ, is God because the Father audibly declares Jesus is his Son and the visible anointing of the Holy Spirit confirmed that as well. Listen, whether you're Jewish today or you're non-Jewish or you don't know what you are, we are without excuse because what the prophets had been prophesying and predicted, predicting was fulfilled right here in Matthew 3. If you are a Jewish person still looking for Elijah the prophet to come before the Messiah, you missed him. 
It was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist pointed right at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is God in human form. We are without excuse. We know the truth. Jesus Christ is God. Now, the question is, what are you going to do with him? And what you do with Jesus Christ determines where you will spend eternity. Here's your sign. You've been looking for one from God. You just got it today. Now, if you have questions about your spiritual condition, your status, whether or not you are really a Christian or not, or maybe you know you're not and you want to discuss with someone how to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so you can belong to him and you know where you will live for eternity in heaven with him. And instead of being condemned to an eternal hell with Satan and his fallen angel demons, you can live forever with Jesus Christ. If you want to know more about that, call this phone number. Now, you're not calling me. You're calling people who spend their day talking with people about how to trust Christ as Savior and Lord and be born again and become a real Christian. Here's the number. I'm going to say it twice. 877-247-2426. Or you can go to www.chataboutjesus.com chataboutjesus.com. And actually, if you're under conviction of your sin right now and you are seeing the truth because God is enabling you to see the truth, you can repent of sin right now and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord wherever you are right now. And you can still call that number and get help to begin your new life in Christ, to grow in your knowledge of Christ. Well, I'm thankful that you have listened today. I'm thankful that you have listened all the way to the end. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> you stayed with us. I'm excited that you've been with us. I wanna invite you, if this is your first time or you've been here several times but have not done this, to follow this podcast, subscribe to it, and each week when I post a new episode, you'll be automatically notified and you can listen to those new episodes. And in fact, right now, I think this is the 146th episode of This Week in the Word. They're all free and anybody anywhere in the world can listen anytime to the Word of God. Thank you for listening today. It's been my joy and pleasure to share Matthew 3 with you. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I want to invite you to share this episode right from where you're listening. Share it on social media. Even share it by email and invite others to listen as well. Thank you. Have a great day in the Lord. I look forward if we're still here next week of the next episode of Matthew's Messiah in Matthew chapter 4. Bye-bye.